0: Now the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Amen. So I wonder what you thought of that reading, particularly that gospel reading we've just heard. I wonder how you responded to it, reacted to it. I wonder what kind of questions you have about it. And what do you think all of these readings offer us in these times? Well, there's only one way to find out. I invite you to turn to your neighbour and have a conversation. What do you think about that Gospel reading? How do you respond to it? What do you think it offers us? Have a conversation about that. <laughs> so, what thoughts or questions did you have? Who'd like to start? I mean, yeah. 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 Any other thoughts? I need to be prepared. Sorry? We need to be prepared. Be prepared. So, all those who have done sc- gout, scouts and guides, got a nail be prepared. That's our motto. That's right. Yeah, the, sorry, well, we'll just deal with Claire. Sorry, Claire first. Right, so there is a question about whether the bridegroom actually represents God or not. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are uncomfortable about this, r- this passage. So, and Marty? I was about to say something similar, so, you know, if you have abilities to share it, so everyone can get it. So, yes. Wow, well, yes, why didn't they share? Yes. So, a lot of people aren't very comfortable with their five so-called wise bridesmaids <laughs> not sharing. Surely they should have shared went down the, um, the COVID life context trap and the, the mad panic buying just before each time we went into lockdown rather than in the sense of us being prepared right. with the basics at hand. You know, yeah. It was a, a different tangent that it was. Just it? <laughs> <the> kind, of, <laughs> <laughs> kind of fits with the be prepared stuff. Isn't it yeah. usually the bride like, that's not the bridegroom? <laughs> wow! <laughs> So, weddings are different in this world. This may surprise you. So, in this world, two families negotiate whether this wedding is going to take part. And when it is agreed that this wedding will take part, then the son builds a room on his father's house. So, you you may have heard that phrase before in John's Gospel. That's exactly what he's talking about. He's using this marriage analogy. So the son will build a room on his father's house where he and his new bride will live. And when it's done to his father's satisfaction, they will then go and get the meal ready, get the party ready. Well, that's getting prepared while this is happening. And then he will go to his new bride's family and he will pick up his bride and bring her and the family back to his house where she will now become part of that household and they will consummate the deal with everyone standing outside. And then, then there is a party which lasts for days. So there's no start time here. He's not late. No one's late. It just took longer than maybe some of those bridesmaids thought for this going to get the bride and then get all packed up and then come back. So five of them were for a long wait and five were like it's just gonna happen in this little time frame. So that's that's what this is about. So this this would have been a reasonably common story about people not knowing how long this bit was going to take. So why you isn't your bridesmaids? are they? Oh they're they're there to welcome them. So and the more with um, the lamps especially at night, the greater the honour and and so it's part of the entranceway into the into the family and to kind of say, welcome to this family, and you're an honoured guest, what well, you're a now honoured member of this family. So are these bridesmaids all from the same family? I would imagine so. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so they're, sisters. they're um, well, sisters and cousins. yeah, cousins and all the rest of us from that family, welcoming this new woman into the family. So it's a it's a it's very an, different way of doing it's, weddings. It's an image of, of huge drama. If I've seen for instance in India the bridegroom's procession he's on a white horse um, it's beautifully decorated That all his family and friends follow him beating out drums and yeah. um, you know it's an absolute scene to behold. whole so for the wealthy people this is a uh uh, this would be a great spectacle for the poorer people. It would be a, not a great spectacle at all, because they wouldn't be able to do very much. But for the, for the rich people, this would be a grand spectacle. And it's this spectacle that he's tapping into. So, so it is a story about... So the question then, is it a story about God? So that's one question. Or is it a story about us? And I think it's more a story about us. So it's using a common occurrence and then saying, this is what it means for us. So, does anyone know where this fits in Matthew's Gospel? Well, this fits, it's at the end, clearly, chapter 25. And so in the story, uh, Jesus has just uh, been having a series of tense conversations with a variety of Jewish leaders who are trying to undermine him and discredit him. And he comes out on top each time, and at the end of that, he and his disciples leave the temple where this has all been happening. And as they leave, his disciples say, Wow, look at this amazing place. It was one of the great wonders of the ancient world. And he says, Well, yeah, it is pretty cool, but it's going to be destroyed. And they're like, What? What do you mean it's going to be destroyed? When is this going to happen? What do you mean? This is terrible. And so the next two chapters are his fifth block of teaching which is all about initially when is this going to happen and then it moves on to when the son of man returns and so we're in a series of stories are about what it means to wait for the son of man to return. So the key question here is waiting. What does it mean to wait? And Matthew, so, this is the fifth block of teaching. One of the things about Matthew's Gospel is he is trying to present Jesus as the new Moses. There are five blocks of teaching which commentators think he is trying to offer five new books of law. The Pentateuch. Five books in the Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Uh, And so there are five blocks of teaching to mirror those five books. It goes with the theme of Jesus as the new Moses. And he is writing to a whole lot of people who are Jewish Christians and life has just been cataclysmic. So the first thing that happened was uh, they had been declared heretics by the rest of the Jewish people. So that generally happens. A couple of weeks ago, a group of, um, well, they would call themselves Muslims. Uh, so the Muslims are, ma- are waiting for a Messiah, and that will be the end of time. And that's Jesus. And so when Jesus returns... That will be the end of the ages, and all the souls of men will be hung and wave on the arches on Haram al-Sharif, Temple Mount. Uh, they think that the Messiah has come. And so uh, he came in India, and he came about 100 years ago. And so there's a whole group of Muslims who think the Messiah has come, and this is what the Messiah taught, and they're living that out. The rest of Islam call them heretics. And that happens the Baha'i faith. Same thing. They are seen as heretics by Islam. They came out of Islam again. So when you're in a faith group and you think that this prophet or messiah has come and everyone else doesn't think that person was the messiah or prophet, you are deemed a heretic. So that's exactly what happened to this group of Jewish Christians. The rest of Judaism saw them as heretics and treated them as such. And in the midst of all of that, there was the Jewish rebellion of 66 and the temple and Jerusalem is destroyed, and hundreds of thousands of Jews are either killed or enslaved and carted off around the empire. And they were part of that. So they had to they had to flee from Israel as those Roman legions came in. And so they had the devastation of all of that. And then there is the ongoing persecution by the Romans, so it's looking pretty grim. And you would have thought. That surely all of these signs point to it's time for Jesus to return. But Jesus has not returned. So they are seriously struggling with what all this means and how to live in the face of all these questions and doubts. So this block of teaching is addressing this what it means to wait. And so the two things they're waiting for, the two questions that come out of that are what are we waiting for? And how do we wait for this? So what are we waiting for in Matthew's Gospel would be the Kingdom of Heaven. Pretty much that's what Matthew is, Jesus and Matthew is teaching about. This is the Kingdom of Heaven. He teaches it. He lives it. So where do we find a good pricey summary of what the Kingdom of Heaven is in Matthew's Gospel? The Beatitudes. The Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. So everything spirals around that block of teaching, the first block. And that's where Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is a world where the most important people are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for God's justice, the pure in heart, the merciful, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for the sake of God's justice. This is a world where all flourish where the common good is held as paramount, a world where the needs of the poor are placed first, and where all are treated with honour and respect and are given what they need to thrive. It was a long way off in Jesus' time, it still seems a long way off in our time. There seems to be a lot of waiting still to do. So we need to be like those streetwise wise or sensible virgins, even if they didn't share their oil. So, how do we wait? What does waiting mean in that context for us and for them? Well, I would suggest it is holding on to that vision offered in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And so for me, some questions that arise for me are how do I keep this vision before me? How does this vision shape my prayers and my life? And in what ways do I, I aspire to be among the poor in spirit? Those who mourn. The meek. Those who hunger and thirst for God's justice. The pure in heart. The merciful. The peacemakers. Those who are persecuted for the sake of God's justice. Three years ago on the Sunday... Uh, I talked about being a Franciscan and my rule of life. Um, so the whole sermon was about that. I thought that was a good sermon. I could repeat that, but I didn't. Um, but I would say that that's actually what that rule of life is about. And, and anyone can have a rule of life. But it's asking some deliberate questions about how do I live weightfully? What are the, what are the little questions that I will ask myself and what are the little pillars that I will try to live my life by, Uh, and I've prayed with that most days, a little segment of my rule of life, so it kind of rolls through every month, just a reminder of what it means to wait for me. And in the heart of all of that, well, there's the invitation to not lose hope. As Jim Wallace says, we are invited to live and believe in spite of the evidence and then watch the evidence change. In the end, there wasn't a lot of difference between these two groups of bridesmaids. The end of this um, finishes uh, with another sentence that actually seems to have no relevance to the rest of the story. It's not the first time Matthew does that. It's like he just tucked a little moral saying on the end. Uh, which he plucked out of somewhere else. Both groups of bridesmaids fell asleep. They, uh, there, there were some pictures. There's one, there's another one as well. Uh, and both of them uh, woke up at the same time. The only difference between them was one group took flask of oil and one group didn't. So it wasn't about keeping them awake, but it was about that flask of oil and trying to work out what that flask of oil is. And so the next question, the next slide is all about that that little lamp. So for me, the the other question is: How do I keep watch for the surprising breakouts of God's justice and mercy and compassion and generosity in the world today? Where do I see the kingdom of heaven at work in moments, in places where it just doesn't seem possible? And, and what is the invitation when I do see those? So, to finish with, two questions. What are you waiting for? And how do you wait, actively wait for that? So I'll spend a moment... The talk to your neighbour on quiet thinking about that, and then we will say the Nicene Creed uh, as we recognise that we join with all the Church down the ages and through into the future who continue to wrestle with these two questions: what do we wait for, and how do we wait?